Abner Mars is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mars, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing and Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mars wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. And welcome to Land Parties, episode 40 from the Las Vegas Review Journal, brought to you by Bet Online. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me, as always, is my co host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, what is going on, my friend? I am doing well. Uh, just, I, I went back to Super Mario Bros. 35. I had to see if I could back it up. Didn't win again, but I had a couple top five, a couple seconds. So I think, I think that's enough validation that I'm actually okay at it. How are you doing, Ryan? Not bad, man. Uh, again, I've been on that Destiny Two grind, playing Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, just kind of waiting, waiting for these uh, next gens to drop, waiting for some games to come out here in the fall. Beyond Light for uh, Destiny Two, so. Uh, I, I would like to say I got a little more gaming in, but work-wise, it has been super busy, so I've been on that work grind for sure. Uh, but overall, it's been pretty good. Lucas, we have a special guest today. Please tell us. We do. This is somebody that I'm a fan of personally, so I am super pumped to, for this opportunity for us to talk to him. You know him online as the completionist. Gerard, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. I, I appreciate it. No problem. I, I've, you know what? I get excited for all our interviews, but this one's just a little extra special, just because I, I love your channel, and I think you do a great job. So I'm just, I'm ready to dive right in. And if you could just take me back, what started you in wanting to not just beat a game, but a hundred percent a game and how did your channel kind of develop in your mind when did that start to kind of come to fruition for you oh my gosh it all started a million years ago uh <laughs> i so growing up um i i'm the youngest of five uh and uh, in a family of seven and uh my parents i was the only one into video games and so my brother got the nes and when I was uh, probably four years old, I got the Super Nintendo. And nice. uh, my parents, uh, they were concerned that I was beating the games too quickly. Uh, so what they would do is they told me that they would take me to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. Now, for those of you guys who don't know what that those stores are, <laughs> those are places where you can rent movies. And they had a section where you could rent video games. And so uh, my parents basically told me that I could not buy video games. I had to rent them unless I really, really, really wanted them. I can get them on birthdays and such. So a lot of my com my completionist uh, inspirations kind of stemmed from showing my parents that I 
completed the game. Otherwise, I couldn't rent or buy a new one. So that was kind of where, at a young age, I, I learned that I liked to complete games. That was my whole thing. I kind of secretly, when I was uh, a teenager in, in, in high school, I kind of stopped playing video games. Uh, GameCube, PS2, and Xbox were a generation that I just kind of forgot about and missed out on just because I had a growth spurt in high school. I lost a ton of weight and I started performing and, and doing theater and, and television and film stuff. So I kind of forgot about video games. And then uh, when I went to college, I was packing my things up and moving and I recognized that I didn't really have all that many things to take with me except for video games. I had my my NES, the SNES, the N64, the PS1, the PS2, the Xbox, the GameCube. And so I took it all with me because I was like, you never know when someone's going to want to play a game while we're up there. And uh, when, you know, I, when I went up there, I didn't have a Wii or I didn't have, I had a Wii, but I didn't have a PS3 or 360. And so uh, I told myself I was going to try to get a PS3 and, and be the cool guy with all the technology up in college and uh, I ended up winning a Guitar Hero competition at, at on campus, like my first week of school. And I nice. won a, and I won a PS3. And eventually, I just kind of became the rock band guy, the Guitar Hero guy. I had all the all the plastic instruments, and you know, I, I was the guy in college that everyone came over to that came to their apartment, and me and my roommate, and you just you played rock band and Guitar Hero for hours on end. We we drink and play rhythm games and. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of where I restarted my my journey through video games again. When I was in college, I I knew that YouTube was going to be the future. I I had this inkling feeling that people were going to be using this platform for so many things, from walkthroughs to reviews to comedy shows. And so I was on YouTube for 5 years before I started the completionist. So there's a there's a five years of attempts of me trying to start a YouTube show, trying to uh, do sketch comedy, trying to do video game content. Uh, Actually, it's not true. Video game content was the last thing I tried. Video game content was the last thing that I was going to do before I gave up. I, I had done sketch comedy. I had done um, a lot of original short films and such. And I didn't quite understood. I didn't understand how YouTube worked. I didn't know the ecosystem. I didn't know how that whole subscriber thing was, was the culture of it. And so, uh, and to the, when I graduated from college in 2011, I had just given up on doing a, a cooking show. I did. I did a comedy cooking show uh, called "Now You're a Man: The Cooking Show," and it was a fake cooking show about this like my friend Jimmy, who was not like a man, and he wasn't like a gamer but like it was funny because he had really disgusting recipes and so we thought okay what if we make a youtube show where this nerdy guy is making these really manly recipes with like bacon and cheese and and fast food and all this stuff and then i found epic mealtime and realized i was too late you know they i basically made epic mealtime uh in a long form 20 30 minute show uh with a lot of of fake chauvinistic humor i say fake chauvinistic humor because it wasn't meant to like actually be chauvinistic it just was like meant to be so over the top and ridiculous via chauvinistic humor that you're like there's no way a guy this could exist because it's like this is a bad human being that is is 
is is making awful food and we made we made about seven episodes worth of that and uh moved back home and those videos got views we got anywhere from five to ten thousand views so i i knew i was like figuring out the locomotion of how youtube worked but i hadn't quite narrowed it down and so um my i went to high school with a guy named john jafari uh who was a uh, who started a youtube channel called jontron and he uh did a lot of video game review stuff he was super into things like avgn um that guy with the glasses angry joe like he he was really inspired by these guys and i had never heard of any of these things before i didn't know what they were i had no idea what he was talking about but I did have a film background and he wanted to make his episodes and, and videos a little more cinematic. So, you know, I took my camera over there, my, my lights and my audio, and I'd, I helped him film some of the earlier John Tron episodes that he, t- I think he took most of the ones that we did together down or, or, or a couple of them are still up on, on different websites. But, uh, yeah, uh, he and I started forming a, a an old friendship. Uh, we started helping, I started helping him more and more. And then one day, He called me out of the blue and said, hey, I have some internet friends coming over to my house. I've never met them before, and my parents won't let them come over because I live in my parents' house, and I need a place for them to hang out and and do what's called the live stream. Could you help out with this? And uh, little did John know that I had been live streaming on on small platforms for years on things like Ustream and Justin.tv and streaming wasn't a big thing back then and so i said yeah bring him on over and he he brought over uh this woman named brooke who goes on youtube by dodger for her youtube channel press hard to continue and uh this guy aaron who has a youtube channel called ego raptor who does animations and so the two of them came into my house as strangers and i had no idea who they were didn't know anything about their content actually no I was I actually really liked Dodger's content. I knew who Dodger was. I didn't know who Aaron was. And uh they just came over and hung out at my house and when they weren't on camera with John and our other friends from high school hanging out playing games, uh we'd go to the side and we would just like have conversations about movies, about about cinema and and YouTube and and food and and just games overall. And I remember that uh uh zan my friend zan aaron and i we we got into my car during some of the breaks and would like go to best buy i worked at best buy at the time and i bought aaron some electronics we got some food and i just kind of like played 20 questions with him and asked like all these different questions about youtube how he started and he was very kind and and cordial and 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 very honest and open and gave me great insight and advice and uh later that night that stream kind of came to an end it was midnight uh, 1 a.m. and uh, Aaron had gone home. Brooke had gone home. It was just John. John had too much to drink, and so he was going home. And so it was just me and Zan and and my laptop and and computer setup that was streaming. And so we said good night, everyone. We're gonna end the stream. And there was like, to give an idea, there was about seven thousand people in this chat. There were seven thousand people because people again, all there was was Twitter and and yeah. Facebook. So no one really knew what a live stream was. And so they saw this platform, this video feed of uh, people that they admire, you know, Dodger, Eagle Raptor and Jontron playing video games. So they're like, holy 
sorry. Holy crap, this is a, a, a huge opportunity to see people live. I'm going to watch this. And so the stream was over. They stopped. They they went home. And so Zan and I were like, all right, guys, good night. We're going to turn the stream down and turn it off. And the chat was like, no, don't. Keep streaming. And so Zan and I streamed for another 15 hours. Wow. We just we, we, we just kept going. And... Uh, <laughs> We we got fan art, we got animations, we got Facebook pages and memes made about us. We made dumb jokes the whole time, and <laughs> and it's actually where uh, the term uh, "butt beardman" came from from the early completionist uh, days, because uh, people in the chat would call me beardman, beardman, beard dude, and it just like because <laughs> I had a I had a big beard, and and uh, you know after that stream was over. I was like, how do I, how do I do that again? How do I, how do I create that, that passion and that connection in a natural way where it's not gross, it's not monetary, but it, it feels welcoming and, and feels, and feels like a thing that can grow. And so, um, streaming wasn't there yet. And I knew streaming wasn't going to be the way for me to start, but I knew that this was the gateway to do YouTube. And so the next day I quit my job at Best Buy I took two months to make the first episode of The Completionist and Aaron and John and their YouTube friends who are now my friends, uh, they were kind enough to share my video and it went viral because of them. And to give you an idea, YouTube in 2011 is a very different YouTube now. In 2011, if a YouTuber liked or commented on a video, then a YouTuber was born. That's just how it worked. It was It was almost like, you were given a golden a golden coin, and that golden coin brought you luck. And so, um, my very first video out the gate got a million views. It was shared on tons of websites, and I just was given a career overnight. I went from from two thousand subscribers to almost eight thousand over the course of of wow. uh, a week. And so, uh, I knew this was the beginning, and I just had to keep doing it. And so. I made the second episode the next week and that video did not go viral. It did not get a million views. It got like a couple thousand. And so I learned early on that my fame, my start to fame uh, is something that is going to take some time and I have to be okay with mediocrity. I have to be okay with not everyone showing up. I have to be okay with just me existing and 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 failing and and trying and trying again and so uh i i tried to establish early on that i was going to have a a schedule that would not be deferred i'd I'd always do a video once a week once a week man versus game that was the commitment so friday i pick a game friday saturday sunday i'm completing the game sunday monday i'm writing a script tuesday wednesday i'm voiceovering and editing wednesday thursday friday uh i'm editing episode comes out friday night i pick a new game and I did that again and again and again and again and again for four years from 2011 until until 2015. I did it by myself in that same kind of insane work cycle. And uh, I, I had a friend at the time, Greg, my, my, my best friend. We're no longer friends because of of the Internet and, and just our relationship not working out because of business. He did help early on, but most of the work was on me. Most of the investment, the money, the time, the blood, sweat, tears, the the design, everything was intrinsically me, and he just kind of helped out a lot with the um, 
with the jokes and the punching up of of, of pacing and things like that. But uh, in 2015, we, we separated ways and I decided to change fundamentally how I presented the show. And uh, that was a journey in itself because I went from being like underdog hero, uh, man of the people to uh, <laughs> I want to say like corporate villain uh, just because uh, I I own a company and I started to try and make things legitimate and uh, the narrative changed. And, and I, I, for a couple of years, I was very terrified of YouTube and my audience and, and the product that I was making just because uh, I was used to everyone enjoying what I was making and supporting what I was making to uh, people doxing me, coming to my house, uh, harassing me, death threats, uh, you know, hating my content without even watching it uh starting up conspiracy theory threads that would that would go on for for years and so uh you know i've had a very complicated relationship with the internet and and success and it's been one that uh i'm constantly learning from every year one that's constantly uh scary and and hard and quite honestly I know everyone out there who's listening or watching this and in, in the ethos of the world wants to become a content creator. They want to become a streamer. They want to be a podcaster. There is a very scary, dangerous side that people don't know exists and you don't know it's there until you achieve it. And once you achieve it, it's you, you don't really recognize who you are anymore, what you value and, and, and kind of the, the way that people see you, you, you lose sight in what you present to yourself and uh, you, you present yourself as. And so uh, it's definitely been a, 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 a big journey. Uh, I just recently celebrated nine years of completing one game a week, every week. I am. That is amazing. I, yeah. I, I have completed 384 games. Uh, I have recompleted. Out of the 120 original episodes with Greg, I have recompleted 100 games. Wow. I've got 20 left. So all in all, I've completed, I think, if you do the math, or I will have completed at this point, uh, about 512 games, something like that. So, yeah. That is amazing. Uh, I, I don't, and you know, it, it's there's so many things that, that you said uh, there just from, I mean, literally going from, you know, you have the, uh, the theater and film background that kind of evolved and you started on, uh, earlier on, you know, in the, in the OG periods of when YouTube and, and social media and live streaming was really starting to kind of take off in those earlier stages and, and kind of navigating through that. I mean, it's completely changed how, you know, we interact with, with each other or, you know, kind of uh, become communities and, and doing that. So like the evolution to, to do that and go through it. I mean, you're going through it live. You went through it live and then you were, you were, you know, springboarded from, you know, Hey man, I got this vision. This is what I'm going to do. You went for it. And all of a sudden you're like on a huge stage, you know, this on, on this platform and people, you know, are coming at you from, every direction. I, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, internally, uh, you know, what you'd be going through. Yeah. Um, I don't know how else to describe it other than chaotic as hell. And one that constantly reminds me how I got here just cause you, you never really truly know you really, you never really truly know how far 
how far it goes until you've seen it all. And uh, every year something changes. Every year there's something different. It's a scary place. If you were like, hey, start a, start a career right now in 2020, I would say no. I would I would pack up my things and go home. I would much rather go work at a games company or or for me, or games media press. Uh, I could not start a YouTube career now. Um, the way that YouTube does its business, how it treats its partners, how the algorithm works, it uh, fundamentally speaking, uh, a lot of who I am as a person and as a creator has changed. Uh, obviously, because of the personal drama. But a lot of it comes down to how YouTube has trained its audience. It really seems like a hamster in a wheel. And Mm. at some point, that wheel's got to give or the hamster's got to give. And uh, it's a treadmill that just never ends. You always have to create something. And if you miss a week, you're in trouble. And nowadays, for my channel specifically, you know, celebrating nine years is kind of bittersweet because this year, there was a pretty big algorithm change that... Uh, for the first time ever really hit my channel in a scary way. And it's hit a lot of creators uh, in scary ways. And a lot of them aren't saying anything because they're scared. We're all scared because there's no answers. Every time we talk about it publicly, or if we talk amongst friends, uh, we talk about it publicly, there are careers out there, or they're, they're, the audience, the internet just goes like, shut up. Your content sucks. That's why. And it's like, well, no, a switch was flipped. There's there's data to prove that a switch was flipped and things changed. When you talk to other creators, other creators that are succeeding go, there's nothing wrong. Right. Because there is nothing wrong for them. But that's for them. There are tons of people out there who are struggling. And uh, that's just what YouTube is. They, they just change a switch and that's it. And so... Uh, a lot of my focus in the, in the last uh, 18 months has been not leaving YouTube, but creating other sources of revenue to keep my team uh, safe from, from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just because you never know. I could just wake up today and my account's gone. And that's it. Uh, for no reason or for a reason that's I think is unfair, but it's their platform. I signed up to use YouTube. Uh, I have to follow by their rules and regulations and algorithms even if I don't know what those are because their documents are getting more convoluted or not shareable. So, you know, it's, it's a scary place. It's a scary career. Uh, it's not all, it's not all internet money. You know, if you think, if you see a video with a million views, it did not make a million dollars and people have, and people have to dissociate that. It's not the same thing. You know, considering the, the roller coaster ride that, that you've been on. And, you know, when, when you just said that, if you were thinking about starting in 2020, you'd say no. What has kept you at it through these years? I know that that there's a good number of people that would say this isn't worth it. It's affecting my well-being. Um, yeah, it's just not worth to keep going. So what what's caused you to continue through the years? What's caused me to continue over the years is a few things. The biggest one is the fans. So many people have changed my life for the better. The the fans that I've met that have become my friends. The fans that I've met that have uh, continued to support me over the years, you know, I I am first name based with a lot of my fans that I that I have seen in my Discord to my Twitch because I they're people and I've gotten to know them and respect and trust them. 
And I try my best to to do that as much as I can. But the reality is uh, I'm one man for 1.3 million people. And I can't I can't open that floodgate all the time. But, you know, the fans is the biggest thing. The fans are the big reason why I keep going. Just because without them, I wouldn't have a career. Without them, I wouldn't have the lucky life that I have. You know, I, I bought a home a couple of years ago. I have a car and I've, I've got a beautiful girlfriend and dogs. Like I, this career has given me my life and uh, I gave my life to it in the beginning. And it only, as it got more complicated, it, it did reward me and it did provide for me. And a lot of that is because of the people who support me. The big, re- the second big motivator is, is um, my, uh, my company and not, not like, the stocks and the money and the and the, and the resources. It's it's the people in my company. It's the people who 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 help me write the completionist, who help me produce the episodes, who help me edit, who help me plan things like Indie Land and these charity events that we're doing, and 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 working with with companies like Nintendo and Sega and Microsoft, and being able to have these um these moving relationships uh, to help build our business. You know without my team, I wouldn't, I would still be one guy in a room and I probably would be a lot on, I'd be way more unhealthy. I'd be way heavy set, way heavy setter than I already am. I would probably would have stopped the show or had a manic breakdown, but I've been lucky to have the support system. That is my, my, my team. People don't know this, but there are uh, people who pay attention might know this, but people, most people don't. Uh, we run a, I have a company of 20 people to look out for. And nine of them are, con- are are employees, 11 are contractors. And my goal is to make all of them employees so I can provide things like benefits, things like healthcare, things like um, company cars and cell phones. But we're, we're just, we're never at that point. We, we, we haven't, you know, we've been doing this for nine years, but it always feels like we've kind of been waiting in the wings to get our opportunity. And a lot of that comes down to finances. A lot of that comes down to, to, creating sources of revenue that that makes sense and that's 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 what i feel like i criticize a lot on for people who don't know the channel a lot of a lot of a lot of my criticisms that i get online aren't from like haters or even from fans uh it comes from people who are who are doing the same thing that i'm doing and they're angry at what i'm doing and going why can't that be me and why don't i have the same successes and then it becomes oh you have that success but you are complaining about it. You are whining about it. You like, why, why are you running your business this way? That's not a smart way to do the business. If I had what you had, I would do it better. You know, you're ruining your shot. And it's like, yeah, okay, kid. (laughs) It's not the same. Like you can be a 19 year old kid. You can be a 15 year old kid or you can be a 55 year old dude. It doesn't matter. Like until you're in the shoes that I'm in, you can't compare them and the complicated situations attached to it is way different. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, the team keeps me motivated. The team keeps me thriving. I, I want to be able to say that, that, you know, not only do I own a house, but the team members who give me their blood, sweat and tears as I give them also own a home and also started families and also are having kids. And also, you know what I mean? Like I want them to have a life as much as I have a life. And, the reality is, as much as I do have a life, I still don't have a life. I'm still in the business. I'm still completing games. I'm still trying to make more and more money so that that way I can give back to the team who's given me my life. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's a that's a the trait of any good leader is you know you you elevate yourself and then you you also bring other you know bring people up that that help to elevate and stuff like that as well. So um, you know that's completely understandable. Let me let me just switch gears real quick and and get a little you know kind of focus on the games here. I I, I have to know you know you're you you hundred percent games. How do you go about handling like DLCs in this in this you know world of of live service games and things like that? Like, how does that change how you go about handling these games? It it changes a lot of how I feel about the games. I think it changes a lot of my perspective and how I appreciate the games. DLC and season passes, I'm okay with. I think the way I see it is uh, if Disney releases Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. And everyone loves that movie. Uh, We only get to celebrate that movie when it's playing on TV again or if we buy the Blu-ray. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. that means that we get to enjoy a film from preview, you know, when the trailers are dropped to when the movie comes out to seeing the movie to buying the DVD and the Blu-ray box set and then seeing it every now and then on TV. Unless there's a sequel, right? Unless we see, oh, there's a sequel coming or there's two trilogies, whatever it may be. A movie's life cycle production from start to finish anywhere from one year to three years, depending on writing and production and stuff. But generally speaking, 18 months is like a a good local number to know, okay? Mm -hmm. Games is not the same as that. Developers work on something for three to five years, sometimes from five to seven years. In three to seven years, you're having children, you're having birthdays, you're having funerals, you're having life things change how you create the thing you're working on, which means that who you are when you started working on this game is not the same person anymore, obviously. Right. And so imagine if you put in five years of your hard work and you output this game and it comes out. And then it's just, that's it. It's forgotten about. There's no conversation. It's just like, it's out there. And you have to hope that people buy it. You have to hope that YouTubers play it and streamers stream it. And you have to hope that your game is good enough to be recognized by your peers, by the people you develop games with, the companies you're up against. And you have to hope that there is a a certain model that will just take off from it. Now, in most cases, if you're an independent developer... You're by yourself. It's you and your team, maybe a community manager, maybe a PR firm that you've locked a business contract with, which hopefully will do a good job, but it's a risk. If you're a AAA company, your success is money, right? Right. So if the game don't work, pump money into it. I, Mm -hmm. I, I create a bad product. It's not ready for market. Great. Put more money into fixing it. Let's just save it. Or... Let it as it is. Let it flounder. Who cares? Let's take a loss. So that's where the debate of DLC and and uh, games and service comes into play, right? Because DLC in in the in the early years of DLC, there was the stigma that people shouldn't have to buy DLC for a game that feels as if they're going to release a special edition that has all of it, or they're going to release more content after the fact when really the developer is conniving and there's actually, it's all part of the budget and they've known about the DLC and 
and and they're just doing it to get money. Well, some companies, yeah. If you look at the big boys, <laughs> yeah, that's of course what they're doing. But is that every company? Is that every game? Absolutely not. And and I think that's where we have to learn to forgive and to understand a bit more because there are people out there who who don't want to say goodbye to Shovel Knight, who don't want to say goodbye to, to Hollow Knight. They don't want to say goodbye to Enter the Gungeon, right? They want more content. They want more time. They want more investment. They want to be able to keep playing this game because the experience is so fun. And they hope that there's a sequel. They hope that there's spinoffs. They hope that there's movies and anime and original cartoons. Like that's the hope. That's the dream that every game developer wants. You want a property of what you're building. But games as as a service, in my opinion, is designed to just take your money. There is no end point. The design of it is to keep you playing. And whether or not you have a good time is your prerogative. You, I mean, you know, Destiny is a great example of a game that people put a lot of time and money in on both the consumer side and the development side, right? And now I'm not the guy, I don't play Destiny. And I'm sure, I'm sure you guys do. I um, totally do. do. <laughs> so, so to me though, Destiny is a, in my eyes, is a better way of doing games as a service because it's not quite games as a service. It to me, I view it more as as it's an ongoing game, right? It's like your World of Warcrafts and your your Final right. Fantasy MMOs, where uh, you're buying upgrade packs and expansions to get more content that fundamentally change how the game is made and developed and, and pushes it forward. But games as a service and freemium games, you know, it it changes a lot of how you play and experience because the meta changes. Um, right. I recently just completed uh, Marvel's Avengers which is a pure games-as-a-service platform. Uh, no matter what anyone will tell you, that is a game-as-a-service platform. And uh, it was not marketed as such. It was not advertised as such until the very end. Mm-hmm. And um, when you play it, it's a lot of fun, but there's a big asterisk with it. And it's this game is not ready to, come, to be released. There's not enough content in it to keep me keep playing. And the content that is there that I would want to unlock and spend hours of time investing in, I have to spend real world dollars to unlock or just give time. And uh, that's really what it comes down to is you have to decide, is your time worth it? And that's, I mean, that's why I don't like those games because uh, I like when games end. I like when there is a <laughs> an endpoint. I like a conclusion, and not every game has that. So, you know, it, it's funny. Just just a, a quick tangent on on Avengers. There, I totally agreed with the video video you put out. The actual campaign gets like the spirit of what I want from a superhero game. Like it's it's there, but then it's surrounded by everything else and. It's a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating. Like the story itself, the campaign itself, I loved. I had fun with it. Like it, if it was just that, but longer and fleshed out, I would have been in love with that game. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I feel like games of service, a lot of them, you know what I mean? They always, they're always very rough starting out. They're never, they never feel complete. And I, I have very similar feeling. I'm, I'm playing as well. And it's like, you know, I've, the the missions. There's not enough content to justify going back and playing because it because it then becomes uh, very repetitive. 
And it's still fun getting those gold shinies and whatnot, but I don't know anybody and I haven't double checked, but like, I know, like, I think there was an issue with people getting the actual exotics. I don't know that anybody's gotten exotics. Um, like there's just weird, like there's things that, you know, again, for a Paul, I, w- I wish more of those resources were put into the story, uh, extending that and really, really fleshing that out and, and not worrying so much, uh, about the other end of it. I, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm wrecked. I, I spent 250 hours playing that game, so I'm like the oh Avengers game. So I'm, I'm trying to like. Wait, what level are you? Are you in the one like 150s? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm 150s with with almost every character. Um, it was a very rough platinum to get. It barely worked to get the platinum. There's a lot of things wrong with the game that like you know there's like a, a trophy to like farm for 50 heart, uh, hive missions. I had to farm hmm. 75 to get them. Oh, um, yeah, it was just a constant pain in the ass across the board. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, that's I think we end the conversation there. Games of the service. <laughs> <laughs> Games of the service is, is, is a fun idea on paper uh, until you realize the beast that it can become. You know, if, if I could ask you, out of the the vast number of games you have completed, what what game did you have the most fun completing, and what game did you, I don't want to say hate, but did you have the least fun completing? I get asked these questions a lot, and I don't know how to respond because it's not even so much playing the game was fun or not fun, so much as it was making a story or a video about the process fun or not, you know, that the, the narrative aspect of the completionist is so much more difficult than the actual completing of the game, because there's enough people out there to know how to cheese things, right? You can use guides, you can use glitches. There are ways to cut corners to optimize your time, which is basically what I do. I basically become like a, a regular speed runner in a way where I have to right. learn the ins and outs of a game as quick as possible in order to meet the deadline of, putting out one video a week. But um, I think if I were to, to chalk it up to anything, I would say that the hardest game I've ever had to complete. I mean, that's the thing. All right. When you say hard, like to me, it's too, it's too prong. Is it like hard because it's difficult or hard to complete because there's so much content. Those are two different things because difficulty is one thing. Length of content is another. Um, I recently just completed Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. And uh, the game's been out for two weeks now. Uh, There are only 40 people with the Platinum, and I was, like, number 25. So, like, that was a rough game to complete because there's so much, so many gems, so many levels, so many things. But if I have one game that I I wish I did not complete was probably Hyrule Warriors. Uh, that's a game that completion criteria because it's a warriors game is determined by your overall level of characters in the game. So when I completed the game originally, it took me roughly 256 hours to complete. That was the base game in the time that the base game came out to when higher Warriors definitive edition came out. There were five DLC maps uh, oh my gosh! Extra difficulties, challenge modes added, and over 
12 new characters added to the game. Wow. So by the end of the game, when I got the definitive edition of the game and I had to complete it, and I'm still completing it for New Game Plus, I have spent over 1,200 hours playing this game. Wow. Because in order to complete the DLC maps, you need to have characters at a higher enough level or else you can't beat those missions. So at this time, I have every character maxed out. I have beaten every DLC map. I've beaten every main story. I have every achievement except for one or two, which are very easy to get. The only thing I have left is the challenge mode. There are three challenge modes you have to beat with every character. And to give you an idea, one challenge mode has three challenges. One challenge mode has eight challenges. One challenge mode has six challenges, something like that. So you do the math. (laughs) 24 to 28 characters times what? Three, like 10 challenges, 12 challenges. That's what's left. You know, let, let me rephrase that slightly then. When you are crafting the narrative, when, when you're making these videos, what sorts of games are the hardest or what sort of experiences are the hardest for you to craft those narratives around? I almost as a joke said, can you ask that question in the, in the phrase of a, of a what is statement? Let's try and boil it down a little more specifically. Uh, ask the question again. Yeah, so so you you mentioned that um, sometimes it it's not necessarily the completing of the game; it's it's having to form the narrative in your videos. Mm-hmm. And so, what what about a game or what about an experience would makes that more difficult than other games? Like, what 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 kinds of games are most challenging to form those narratives around? Games that don't have a long gameplay loop. Or games that are very easy. So anytime I do a Kirby video, I'm always like, this is the worst video I've ever made. <laughs> because, because Kirby is meant to be accessible to everyone. Dying is no consequence. The level designs are are specifically designed to save the player, not harm the player. And it's difficult to say anything philosophical about a flying puffball that eats enemies, <laughs> right? Um, also, it's it's difficult to talk about games like Five Nights at Freddy's or uh, or Untitled Goose Game, where the gameplay experience lasts no more than three to ten hours, mm-hmm. just because like Super Mario World, I can complete the back of my hand in a matter of seconds, right? But I have years of experience doing that, and I have years of being able to be like, look how cool this level is, look how cool the design of this character is because it's, it has a purpose. You give me something like Five Nights at Freddy's and I'm like, um, you're a security guard at a pizzeria for some weird reason. And these animatronics trying to kill you. And the gameplay loop is you check the vents, you check your, your cameras, you check the battery, you check the doors and that's the game. And then it just gets harder every night and that's it. And people who make those videos the Finance of Freddy's videos that get millions and millions of views. It's not because of the gameplay loop. It's not because of the design of the game. It's not because of, of how long the experience is. It's because there is a meta narrative happening in all these games. And there's a see-through right. line and the theories that are built within those see-through lines are why people watch and play those games because it's creating a larger story out of a, out of a, a tragedy that, that doesn't really, it's that isn't existing in this game. 
So it's hard to have a a um it's hard to craft a narrative around that other than when Fires and Fridays creates something like the 420 mode where or or ultimate mode where it's the game at the hardest setting and how the game rewards you for that. Scott Cawthon, I, I know used to watch my content in the early days of Five Nights at Freddy's because when he made his when he made FNAF 3, uh, I called him out and said, hey, Scott, in FNAF 1 and 2, you went ahead and, and gave me a star for doing the hardest thing. FNAF 3, you didn't. I made that video. By the end of the weekend, Five Nights at Freddy's 3 got patched to have a star and I didn't get the star because the game didn't think I did it. So I had oh. to do it again. I had to do it again to get the star. So it's a weird thing, right? Like it's a weird give and take that like I do have this cool pool to like influence the community at large. But again, it's hard to craft a narrative, especially because the narrative for the completions for so long. It, this is and this is this is to tell you how my mind thought about the thing I made. Versus how the audience thought about what I made. In my mind, the early years of the completionist were man versus game. Every week, will he or won't he complete it? That's what I thought the show was about. So I tried to make that show have stakes and have moments of, of triumph and moments of failure. And then I realized that, oh, I'm the completionist. I complete it every time. So <laughs> right. you know that I complete it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made a video. So right. if 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 I'm completing a game and you know I complete it, then why the hell are you watching my video? You know I'm going to do it. So uh, a couple of years ago, we kind of tried to reinvent the wheel and we said, well, if we can't intrigue the viewer of will he, won't he, then let's try to intrigue the viewer of the process. What's it like to complete this game? How does that affect how I ingest the game? It, the game's fun to play if I am playing it for what it's worth, but if, if I'm completing it, how does that affect my enjoyment? If I play a game like Marvel's Avengers and I just play it, is that a different experience than it is for someone to spend real-life dollars and money and time into completing it? And that, to me, is the more interesting narrative that is that has been the focus of the show for probably the last three or four years. And uh, it, it's it's in my opinion, it's made for more interesting content and interesting conversation about games. And uh, the completion aspect of it, it works two ways. One, I did the thing that I I told you about, and two, here's my homework, here's my proof. Mm -hmm. I did this thing so you wouldn't have to. Here's my evidence that I did it. And so while I'm not a games journalist or or a scholar of the background of, of gaming in that way, I am at least able to go, well, I did spend the time doing this thing. So if that doesn't give you enough of authority to believe me, then I don't know what will. No, I just wanted to see, is there, uh, uh, I know that, that uh, we're starting to run short here on time. Uh, is there any projects or anything that you're working on uh, for the future? Uh, usually I would say one or two projects and I would talk about them. Uh, I have over eight projects that are in production that I can't talk about. Um, mm. A lot of them are very exciting. A lot of them aren't on YouTube. A lot of them 
are future career building uh ones that will hopefully put me and my team in a better in a better position i think we will i think uh you know we have a lot a lot of things in the fire that are cooking and we're just kind of waiting to see if if they'll pan out so uh nothing i can really talk about but uh, i will say at the very least that uh come january of next year uh we'll we will have completed 400 games and we will be filming a new intro for beard mode uh and i don't know what that's gonna look like uh i haven't decided yet um people don't know this but every every time we do the intro we change it it's heavily inspired by film comics and games in a way where uh if you look at the season intro you'll know exactly what inspired it not everyone talks about that they just judge the intro of if it's cool or not but to give you an idea the last season of the show episodes 200 to 300 the inspiration was Scott Pilgrim and you can, you can instantly see it when you, when you watch it. Where, where can we find you on the interwebs then? Did I answer your guys' question? I feel like I just talked for an hour and you guys were like, cool. Like, (laughs) no, 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 I gotta say this was my podcast that I just, (laughs) I love it though. Cause I mean, there was such a breakdown and really, again, it's so important for us when we're having conversations with people to see that, you know, everybody or a lot of people see people at their, you know, at a successful place, but they don't see and get to hear a lot about what it took to get to that place. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So where, where can we find you on the interwebs? Sure. Uh, you can find me at uh, youtube.com slash that one video gamer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at completionist, Instagram, the completionist, twitch.tv slash the completionist, facebook.com slash the completionist. Everything is the completionist except YouTube. YouTube is that one video gamer. And that's because uh, someone took the name, the completionist, a long time ago, and uh, and I, I knew that going into it, and so I, <laughs> I, uh, I I made it that one video gamer. I was like, hey, have you seen that one video gamer on YouTube? Which one? The completionist. Oh, cool. But uh, that that doesn't resonate at all. Uh, now that one video gamer is basically my company name, so that's kind of how I get away with it. Do you guys want to ask me any more questions before we head out? Because I again, I feel bad that I just talked this whole time. <laughs> I say you're fine. People people want to hear you talk. They don't want to hear us talk right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not yeah. Yeah. No, no, we appreciate your time again. Thank you so much. Um and you know what? Let's take a quick commercial break and we will be right back, guys. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools that make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for more than 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it first, fast. 
Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I'm excited to watch my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers, win another NFC North title this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And thank you to the completionist for that interview. Ryan, I found that interview to be super fascinating. It's rare that you find someone that would say, I wouldn't start my career again if I were starting in 2020. I thought that was incredibly honest and fascinating. Well, it's it's always nice to be able to, you know what I mean, get to speak with somebody one-on-one and kind of get into their mind a little bit. That was a really, really engaging conversation. And just, I mean, again, how, how so much of life and you know, uh, uh, content creation, playing games and how it's all kind of, intertwining together and just seeing different people's perspectives uh completionist again thank you so much Gerard. we we appreciate you you coming on here i want to shift some some gears though a little bit we got to we're we're a little less than a month out from the uh the release of xbox series x slash s and PlayStation 5, PlayStation, Sony, they they gave us a little another little nugget. We finally got to see the user interface uh, or the home screen for the PlayStation 5. And I got to say, it looks pretty, pretty clean. I love the fact that they held on to some of the some of the familiar familiarity of the PS4 and having the uh, uh, the boxes and being able to to navigate the things through ho- through the home screen the sorry the home screen. Uh, but a big change that I think is huge is just how much they they change with being able to access the home screen and options like that directly from in game. So those that have a PS4, you know, if you hit the PlayStation button, it takes you out of the game, takes you into the home screen, this and that. Now we see something, a little bar pop up and they've got this, uh, uh, they're, they're calling them cards, but you have different cards uh, within the game. It'll show you information about the game. It'll show you screenshots that you've taken in the game. There definitely seems to be more of a, shift towards being able to share and interact with people via your PlayStation, which I really love to see. I love to see that they're kind of, you know what I mean? That that to me is, is serving towards the community and for the community to be able to connect easier directly in and utilizing your PlayStation. The other thing that I thought was pretty cool was some games and, and not all these games are going to have these features. Uh, my understanding is majority of PS4s that port over 
will, but some won't. And I'm pretty sure, and I don't know, don't quote me on this, but I believe the PS5 games will have this. But like in the cards, it'll show you if you're on a level, say, and you're like, oh man, it's really late. Should I go to bed? You can go into the card and see how much time PlayStation predicts that you it will take you to beat a level. So maybe, ah, two hours? Nah, I'm going to put it down and, and come back later. Or, oh, I only got 10 more minutes left. Let's keep grinding. That's really cool. Uh, something that people are kind of on the fence about is they're going to directly within the card system, uh, they'll link to other videos in there that have like guides and things like that. I don't know how many times I've been playing a game and you just get stuck on a level and you have to hop over to a different website and watch a playthrough playthrough or something. Uh, this stuff is going to be uh, within this card system on PS5, dude. I think that is a super super cool feature as far as with that. Uh, some other things, I know that there's going to be some, uh, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit, there's some changes to uh, uh, party chat as well and then also, and we'll, we'll we'll go a little more in depth on this, we saw that uh, uh, those of you that have a PS4, you saw that version 8.0 just dropped, which were changes to the PlayStation sh- uh, store and I don't know, I know there was a lot of internet outrage as far as with this, and I kind of feel like Rightfully so, uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of see where Sony is going with this. What were your thoughts on it, buddy? Yeah, I thought the UI looks pretty slick. Um, it adds to the excitement, of course. You know that that's there's nothing like when you get your first look of a new system. Like mm-hmm. there's just something cool about that, right? The anticipation's building, and you get that first glance, and oh my goodness, it's there. So I thought, like overall, the look of it was awesome. The cards are really interesting, and I actually appreciate that because I'm one of those gamers where if I'm getting fed up with the level. I'll just quit. (laughs) And sometimes it can take me a long time to come back to a game because I'm just like, dude, no. And I'll just think of like that last instance of like, I couldn't beat that level. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Metal Gear Solid 5. (laughs) Right, right. My most infamous game in my own personal gaming history was Ninja Gaiden. I never beat Ninja Gaiden Mm -hmm. Black because that game was ridiculously hard. I got stuck on like the third boss and was like, nope, can't do it. (laughs) So to have like the ability to find videos that help you through an area is, I mean, for a gamer like me is a lifesaver. It'll keep me playing and it'll keep me finishing games faster. Like it's a pet peeve of mine. I always try to finish stories. I'm I'm the same way. Spotty success record, but I always try. So this will help you know, kind of keep that momentum because there's nothing worse than getting frustrated and feeling like you're just stuck. So I think that's really cool. Um, I am with you with the changes to the PlayStation store. I mean, I get, I get the, uh, the outrage because of the update, the 8.0 update, but I also kind of see where Sony's coming from. And I do want to chat with you a little bit about how the, unveiled their messaging about a change to party chat and it's in theory a good change but my goodness ryan the way they messaged this was terrible and i don't see how they didn't see the uproar coming based on the way they said it now there will be the ability to record in party chat and it's for you know if somebody's being a bully or abusive or anything like that for you to be able to record it and report them. So that is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. 
if they would have just been that super clear about it to begin with, that would have been great. There was a, so much confusion at first because people were wondering, is Sony actively listening to you? Is this a feature that's just on? Can Sony just record you without your knowledge? Like, my goodness, in today's age, how do you not be crystal clear <laughs> on this? That was definitely a boondoggle. That was definitely a boondoggle on their part. Uh, how they listen. Cause I saw that too. And I was just like, I'm sorry, squeeze me. You're going to be doing <laughs> what now? I don't think so. I mean, again, for me, even when I'm playing on PlayStation though, this doesn't really affect me because I use my PC and I just use remote play to project to my PC. So all my voice chat is usually through discord or, you know what I mean? Something like that. So I'm hardly even using uh, the, the PlayStation uh, party chat features. But yeah, I mean, you got to be clear about that. And uh, essentially it's for if if you are being a bully, you know, somebody can then record you and send that to Sony. They are not going to be actively just listening to people's conversations. But again, this also makes me wonder too, like, and, and, and well, at first it did, because we were talking about this before we uh, uh, started recording. But, you know, there's laws to where, you know, if somebody is not, you know, if you don't acknowledge and let somebody know that they're being recorded, is it then legal because uh, they don't have permission to be recorded? Uh, I'm going through this article, though, on Polygon, and it does state that everybody is opted in to this. Users won't have the ability to disable it um, on this. So everybody is opted in. So somewhere between the user agreements that we go through from when we first uh, oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. This is active now, right? I think so. I think so. I think that, yeah. With the 8.0 ver- uh, update, I think it got built into the uh, 8.0 update. So this is live now. So I'm guessing somewhere within the user agreements and all those lines, it says, look, you're going to get, you can get recorded at, at any point in time if you're violating stuff. And we all just don't read through it and click the button and say, let's go. I want to play my games. <clears throat> so, you know, that that is definitely, you know, I, I guess if we're we're within their user agreement, I'm guessing it's somewhere in there. That's how they get around that the legality of it, because I don't think it would be. You know, I know it varies. I think it varies state to state, but I don't I don't know that that you could just do that and it not be illegal. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I, I guess I, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, as far as with this, you know, trying to make it a, a safer place for people, you know, people are going to because the other thing, too, is so then if somebody does get reported via party chat, what kind of ban happens? What are the repercussions of this? Do they ban your PS5 or PS4? Uh, do they ban your IP line? Have they said anything or gone in depth as far as what repercussions we would see in the future? I didn't see that yet, and there's always some secondary concerns that I have. So if you report somebody, right, mm-hmm. chances are they're going to know it was you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, most people are smart enough to think, oh, what chat was I being a jerk in? Oh, who mm-hmm. was I being a jerk to? That's probably the person that <laughs> reported me. So I'm always... I don't know. I'm always a little worried about that because like what ways can they try and get back at the person that reported them or anything like that? Um, Mm -hmm. I also worry about people just abusing it, you know, not using it for its intended purpose and just recording just because without 
without any intent or without needing to report them. So I don't know. It's a good idea. And I understand why they're doing that because, you know, as a parent, I would be like terrified to let my kid on a voice chat. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Trust me. Because there are tons of, of, jerks out there i mean let's let's just be honest there are a lot of people yeah. that use bad language will insult people like who wants to expose kids to that especially but right. i just worry that that's going to open the door up to a lot of other use cases that it's not intended to and some of those won't be good yeah i i kind of have a feeling that this is not going to be the end all be all as far as with it and it is one of those fluid situations as they see people gaming the system they'll have to shift and make moves uh in order to do it so i mean again like everything it's definitely a double-edged sword as far as with it however with with those updates there were some nice things in that we found about the ps5 uh within party chat is that they're gonna allow um they're actually gonna allow for within party chat, you're able to share your screen with other people in the in the party chat. You could pin separate people's gameplays going. I thought that's a really cool feature to be able to see other people. I, I'm wondering if maybe at some point in time they extend it to. I'm sorry. What was that? Lucas? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, I was gonna say that that's really cool to have because you know I always find it interesting because games are such an online focused communication form mm-hmm. but it's it's never been like they it, it's they've always been a work in progress and finding ways to to do things and enhance that so i think this is pretty awesome because it, it enhances the communication there exactly and i feel like it again kind of goes more towards that them trying to get a little more community focus and keeping things within their systems as opposed to people utilizing other tools to be able to communicate or broadcast to each other. Or, you know, again, it's about connecting and we're connecting via video games and I'm going to feel a lot more connected if I could see what, what the other person's doing, you know what I mean? And they can see what I'm doing and it feels a little, you know, a little, a little more connected than it would as opposed to just talking to somebody and, and not being able to see anything. So I thought that was a pretty cool feature that will be here in the, uh, in the PS5. I mean, the, the UI is just, I mean, this is just clean. It's very clean. I love the fact that, that it's not going to be so invasive going into the, the, uh, home screen and seeing if you've got a buddy on or, trying to connect to a party chat it all just kind of pops up underneath in a window and it seems like uh, a lot of the things they're they're they they have in mind is to continue the gameplay so it's not so start and stop and then go back in and and yada 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 so this is exciting i mean we are on the cusp of having these things in our hands i am pretty pretty juiced up about it me too. This this is the period, right, when all the cards are getting laid on the table and the new systems are right around the corner. This is the most exciting time. I mean, this is like Christmas coming early. So I am loving it, and I cannot wait until November and to get both these systems out there. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%, my friend. I agree 100%. Uh, I don't know. Was there anything else that you wanted to? Uh, I know that you had said there was some news about uh, uh, <laughs> Watchdog Legions. It comes out October 29th, and they are saying that Aiden Pierce, the 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 character from the first game, 
is going to be uh, playable in the campaign and customizable. Uh, I don't know if you guys played the original Watch Dogs, but it was so underwhelming and just left a really sour taste in your mouth. Uh, So much so I didn't play the second one. But I am looking forward to Legion, and I think I am going to get Legion. I'm still kind of up in the air about it. But having this character that I could care less about in this one does nothing for me. It does nothing for me. I want to, you know what I mean? I want show me more about turning into whoever I want to. Every character essentially is playable in this game. I want to see more about those mechanics and stuff. I don't care about the the original character that was just unimpressionable and and I've already forgotten about you. I'm sorry, Aiden. I'm sorry, <laughs> but this ain't it, dog. This ain't it. You know, it's funny because originally they had announced him as, as DLC, which I didn't care about either. And now they're just like, he could be the main campaign. I'm like, okay, well, I hope I don't come across him because <laughs> I'm sorry. The first Watch Dogs, I was all aboard the hype train. I got, I was at the midnight launch at a GameStop. Like I wow. was ready for this game. And let me tell you, Aiden Pierce is not a great character. (laughs) He's lifeless. Uh, He's really not sympathetic. I mean, and, you know, if you remember, part of the reason why Watch Dogs 2 went so opposite in tone is because nobody liked Aiden Pierce. (laughs) Like, Like, it caused the series to shift dramatically. So, I mean... I find it funny that they're bringing him back. I just, I, I think that, like, how is this even a selling point? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like, too, I'm kind of reading through this, and it looks like, it says it says that he, he'll he be added as a post-launch DLC, and essentially they're going to be building out the campaign um, so that it's adapted to fit his personality. I don't oh, know no. what that means. What does that mean? He has no personality, though. <laughs> It's just going to be a blank slate. <laughs> You're just walking yes. around in the either pulling out your phone, trying to hack nothing. Yeah. First. Yeah. You're right. What does that even mean? Second, dude, that is not the character to, to build somebody around the personality, not the right one. Weird move, man. This is a weird, weird, weird move. I mean, this is coming out soon. My only thing is, and, and I need to know, and I don't know that there is, uh, does this have a free upgrade to PS5? Oh, I don't know that off the top of my head. I hope so. Because it's coming out here in about 10 days, 10, 11, or, or 9 or 10 days, and you know, if there's, I mean, what's the point of getting it at this point? We're so close, like, unless it's on PC, I'm not getting any more P- PS4 games. There's no point, you know, even even with the the uh, uh, upgrade uh, stuff and whatnot, like I'm 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 done. I'm I'm done getting PS4 games. So, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn about this on whether I'm going to get this at launch or just wait until PS5 comes out and then get it there. Or I might just get this on PC. Right. I'd probably wait. I mean, I, I think I'm going to wait because at least then, hopefully, if there are any kinks that need to be ironed out, they have time by the time I buy True. it. Um, you're right, though. It doesn't make a lot of sense to buy any games between now and the launch of the new systems because they're so close. I mean, this is a really awkward right. time. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they didn't it. just push it back. 
until making a launch day title for for the the systems. Like I don't know, it's weird. But right. I mean, I get it. I guess. I mean, if if you remember, the first Watch Dogs did technically launch on 360 and PS3 too, but it was sold as like a true next gen experience on the PS4 and Xbox One. So it would have right. made sense for them to try and do the similar thing here. So I don't I don't know why they didn't do that. Right. Exactly. I don't know, man. Weird, weird, weird flex in my opinion. Yeah. Let I will. Let, let's just say this. If I do end up getting this game, I am going to avoid Aiden Pierce like the plague. <laughs> yep, yep. No need to see that guy again. I do not care. I am I am more invested in these random strangers that I can turn into and play as opposed to Aiden, who I've already played and done a story and, and you know, all that good stuff. So anyway, we're, we're, we're getting close, folks. We are getting close. Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Uh, not a whole lot on my end. I will see this because we recorded our interview a little bit early. I took another first place in Super Mario 35, so I'm not Yo. a one hit wonder. It's two. Let's now. go. <laughs> Yo, I still haven't played it, dude. I don't know what my problem is, man. I need to get on it. I need to take some time to get some, some, some switch games in. It's been a little bit for me. It's Jeez, addicting, geez, Ryan. Be ready for it. It's addicting. <laughs> I'll take some time, yo, dude. I got the I got the uh, the the recliner downstairs. Kick up my feet, sit there with the game. Got the the projector there. Let's go, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. There you go. What what are you <laughs> playing this weekend? Uh, not too much. I've been I've been uh, going back. I know Avengers uh, recently had an update. I know there's a lot of people that are that are super salty on the game, but you know, for me at least, they're being they're 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 communicating with the community. They are actively making changes to try to make the the game better. People just need to be patient. You know what I mean? Again, that this whole you know, people are so quick to jump on that hate train, and it's like, look, man, like I want to see this game be great. Is it there? Not quite yet. But they are actively making changes. We're starting to see a bit of a roadmap develop for the game. Uh, so I'm still there. I'm still trying to get to that end game level about 150. I'm at like 90 with Kamala. She is my highest. Um, but yeah, probably probably grind on that and and chill out. I know that we we've got uh, we're in that sweet spot here in Vegas where the weather has cooled off a bit, but it's not too cool yet. So we're looking to replant our black backyard with. Uh, uh, with grass because our grass died out because we had issues with the water pump. So I'm probably be out in the yard doing some work, my friend. <laughs> yeah, this is such a joyous time to be in Vegas. You can go outside and not melt yes. and it's pleasant. Like this is this is why you live in Vegas this time of year. <laughs> That's right. A whole month of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us again here at Land Parties. We appreciate it. Don't forget to hit us up on the social medias. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces. <laughs> The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, 
Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> 